And this comic book is a love story. A boy and girl in love. They get married, and after an offensively lurid description, illustrated, of course, of the couple's wedding night, the book shows how the bride murders her husband by chopping his head off with an axe. Hello again, friends and fans of freaky, frightening, and fantastic funnies. This is Four Color Fear, the podcast dissecting and inspecting horror comics. Bob here, and I'd like to welcome you to Lucky Episode number 13, where we will be taking a look at Secrets of Haunted House number 43, published by DC in 1981. Now, I was hoping not to make a habit of this, but here I am again uh, having to uh, correct a mistake from the last episode. And actually, it's more of an omission than an, than an actual mistake. But if you remember last episode, we looked at an issue of The Witching Hour, and I discussed how the host of The Witching Hour, the three witches, Mildred, Mordred, and Cynthia, were revived by Neil Gaiman when he launched his Sandman universe. Well, in that discussion, I also mentioned the title we're going to be looking at today, Secrets of Haunted House, and its host, Cain, Abel, and Eve, also being revived by Neil Gaiman. Well, I neglected to include the host, Destiny, in that list. And if you remember, when we covered the Secrets of Haunted House back in Episode 3, that title, that issue, was hosted by Destiny. So I just felt he should be mentioned, uh, included in that Neil Gaiman reboot. So that aside, we'll dig right into Secrets of Haunted House number 43 after this not-so-lucky 13 from 1981. Stick around. On a June night in 1980, Friday the 13th, Twelve of her friends were murdered. Why should Friday the 13th, 1981, be any different? Friday the 13th, Part 2. The body count continues. Fourteen. Friday the 13th. No! 
You know, I'm not a big fan of the whole Jason Voorhees mythology, but if I had to pick one film, it would certainly be number two. Another one that I saw at the old Ritz Theater. Gosh, I miss that place. Okay, but anyhow, uh, Secrets of Haunted House. We've looked at an issue of this book before, back in episode three, but I'll just briefly mention that it was published by DC for 46 issues from April, May 1975 to March 1982. We are going to be looking at issue 43, and uh, so that's near the end of the run. And issue 43 has a cover date of December 1981 and a cover price of 60 cents. And the cover is a very well-composed cover. Um, I'm a bit thrown off by the color palette. Uh, it's got a very pinkish hue to it. Uh, however, the cover depicts a man, a bearded man, uh, grayish hair, and he's being wrapped up or consumed by this plant that seems to be growing everywhere. And we see a house in the background that appears to be on fire. I have some credits for this cover. We've got Pencils and Inks by Joe Orlando. Now, if you are a DC fan, you will certainly know who Joe Orlando is. I mean, you've at least seen his name. He was a longtime illustrator, writer, and editor for DC. His uh, career spanned six decades. I mean, he's been around a long time. And at one point, after William Gaines passed away in 1992, Warner Brothers decided to place Mad Magazine under the DC Comics umbrella, and Joe Orlando was made an associate editor there. Little interesting trivia tidbit, some more ammo for Trivia Night. Joe Orlando was the guy who came up with the design of the Sea Monkey ads. So, uh... I'm sure you've seen those in some comic books. Maybe we'll see one in this issue. Who knows? Okay, Secrets of Haunted House number 43 has five, count them, five comic stories, although one of them is just a two-page introduction, and uh, no text stories. And the first story is our intro. It's just called Secrets of Haunted House, and normally I just kind of breeze over these. However, this time I'm going to discuss a few things about it because it's kind of interesting. Uh, we have Abel, who's the host of this book, uh, leading a young girl through the haunted house and he's telling her how he's going to tell her some stories and uh, you know doesn't seem like much of a big deal however we come to find out that this little girl is a real person and it lists her name and her hometown so I'm assuming this was some sort of contest that DC ran you know and whoever won it would appear in a comic book I think that's what happened here but she gives a little snide remark at the end saying that uh I hope his stories are scarier than he is. Okay, our next story is titled Dig the Plant, Man, where we get some eco-terror where a plant discovered after Mount St. Helen erupts decides to take on a life of its own. That's followed by Imaging War, which is a science fiction story where an alien race uses imaging technology to try to take over Earth. That's followed by Mother of Invention, another science fiction story that has to deal with the energy crisis and the potential aftermath of exploring space for alternative forms of energy. And closing out the book is the story titled Waxworks, where a ruthless and greedy landlord evicts a tenant who is running a haunted wax museum. So there's a brief synopsis of the stories in Secrets of Haunted House number 43, but I'm feeling a bit peckish. 
think I'm gonna go grab uh, a snack. We do have some food here in the vault. And I think I have some cereal, so I'll be right back. Stick around. You fix the flat, Frank. We'll fix breakfast with my delicious cereal. Count Chocula! We love its chocolatey flavor and tasty marshmallows. It's chocolatey delicious. Not for the puff air, Count. Kids want Frankenberry, my delicious cereal with oodles of strawberry flavored and tasty marshmallows. It's strawberry good. Count Chocula! Frankenberry. <laughs> you can enjoy a good, nutritious breakfast with Frankenberry. Count Chocula! So, which one was your favorite? I kind of leaned towards the Count, although I did like uh, Blueberry and Frankenberry as well. And uh, remember Fruit Brute? I mean, he's often overlooked. The production wasn't very long on that fruity cereal in the General Mills Monster cereal line. I guess at some point he was replaced by a fruity yummy mummy, but I am not familiar with that at all. But I do have some memories of those cereals, especially uh, Fruit Brute, even though we didn't eat it much in our house. I remember there was a point where, sometime in the 70s, that General Mills was including uh, energy conservation stickers in, you know, as the prize in the box of uh, monster cereals. And I remember us having a uh, Fruit Brute light switch sticker, you know, reminding you to shut the lights off. My sister and I placed that on the light switch leading to the basement in our parents house and uh when i visit my dad today you know weathered worn and faded away that sticker is still there so it brings back some nice memories okay our featured story for secrets of haunted house number 43 is the final story and that's titled waxworks and we have a full line of credits for this story and rightly so we have script by jack c harris now, Jack C. Harris was a longtime writer and editor at DC and uh, is best known to DC fans anyway as the writer who returned the Wonder Woman series to a contemporary setting uh, to match the time jump that occurred from World War II to the present day in the Linda Carter television series. Uh, his first published comic story was called Political Rally Panic in Isis Number no. 3 in 1977. Uh, do you remember Isis? It was a very short-lived comic, but uh, was a live-action TV show on Saturday morning CBS, part of the Shazam Isis Hour. That was an early example of a comic book character first appearing in another form of media, uh, kind of like the Harley Quinn character starting on Batman the Animated Series and being so popular it was incorporated into the comics continuity. Uh, Harris also wrote several issues of Commandy, The Last Boy on Earth, after Jack Kirby left DC, and it was an assignment he considered a personal favorite. And I have to agree, Mr. Harris. Here's another little hint for longtime Four Color Fear listeners. Adrian Gonzalez is the artist. Brett Breeding is the inker. Pierre Bernard Jr., letterer. Jerry Serpy is the colorist, and it seems like Jerry Serpy's like the uh, the in-house colorist for uh, Secrets of Fonded House. I think he's done, if not all, very many of uh, the issues. And this story is edited by David Manick. And this first page is a full-page splash, and we get a small insert in it, uh, which features Abel, the host of this book, and he's looking at a book which is Secrets of Haunted House Stories, 
And he says, from my haunted library, a terror tone guaranteed to keep you in trepidation until your next visit to DC's number one, Tomb Trembles. Ta-ta. And, as I mentioned, this is a full-page splash, and it is beautifully composed and drawn. Uh, Everything about this panel is just wonderful. But it depicts some man in uh, in a room, and he's surrounded by these figures, statues, who, based on the title, we can assume are wax sculptures, and it appears to be some sort of uh, haunted wax museum, as we have a executioner, you know, with a hood, and he has an axe over his head. We also have, uh, in the center of the page, someone uh, with a top hat dressed in Victorian attire, carrying a knife. And in the foreground, we see uh, someone who I'm going to say is, is probably representing, like, the Boston Strangler. Uh, we see a mantle, and on the fire, a bubbling pot of wax. And also in the foreground, we see a small pot dripping, and it has either a brush or a stirrer in it. So it's either a can of paint or a pot of wax. And uh, we also see this elderly gentleman, and he's speaking to one of the wax figures, the Victorian-dressed one. And it's, he says, it's true, Jack, this night. It's our last in these hallowed halls. So more than likely, this is Jack the Ripper, uh, this uh, wax figure. Just a beautiful full-page splash here. This first panel just uh, really grabs you right from the get-go. And uh, Abel tells us, there are no sounds in the lonely exhibit hall except for the hoarse voice of a defeated old gentleman. And this old man goes on to say, I don't know what's to become of you now, Jack, you and all the others. And boom, through the door comes this huge, portly fellow, and he says, uh, I'll tell you what's going to happen to all your friends, Mr. Wicker. That's an appropriate name for a guy running a wax museum. They're being sold as junk, the junk that they are. And uh, Wicker says, Mr. Lucius. So now we know our two main characters, Mr. Wicker and Lucius. And Wicker goes on to say, oh no, you have to give them time. They're works of art. They're antiquated junks of wax. And as your landlord, I've claimed them all in payment of back rent. The public has seen fit to ignore your horror exhibit, and you're broke. Anyway, this kind of gory and creepy exhibit went out with the turn of the century. So the landlord turns on his heel and prepares to depart, trying to hide the uneasy fear he's experiencing, a a fear that crawls across his massive body each time he enters the waxwork Hall of Horrors. And he says to Wicker, pack him up, Wicker. This building becomes a parking lot in less than a week. So now we go outside with uh, Lucius, and we see that this exhibit is called Wicker's Waxworks of Horror. And Lucius is thinking to himself, glad to get out of that place. Creepy place, creepy old man. It'll be a blessing to be rid of them all. And then he also goes on to think, my stomach's growling. I think I'll stop off at my favorite eatery. So a few blocks away, Abner Lucius exits Kelly's Bar and Grill, fully sated. His head is lowered as he lights his pipe, and he's thinking, Ah, this is more like it. Now I can get home and forget about Wicker and his waxy friends. Nutty fruitcake, he actually talks to him. Parking lot will sure make more cash than his stupid waxworks. And as he's saying this, he sees he's being approached by what appears to be Jack the Ripper. And he screams out in terror. And Abel goes on to tell us, despite his massive size, Abner Lucius enters his luxury apartment with incredible haste. Now, I'm going to stop here a second because this is clearly either a continuity error by the writer or the editor missed this one because he's not entering any apartment. He is still 
outside. He appears to be in a back alley. And uh, this Jack the Ripper is still approaching him. And he says, "Uh, no, leave me alone. Got to get away. And he trips over a bunch of garbage cans. And he realizes that I'm being as stupid as the old wicker. There has to be a logical explanation to all of this. So as we turn the page, we find out that Lucius sees that it's Wicker actually pulling Jack the Ripper on a cart. And he says, Wicker, so it was you. So you demented old freak thought you'd sneak over here and try to frighten me? I'll show you. And Wicker says, no, I I only wanted to save my friends. You creep, I can see why your only friends are made of wax. What human would associate with the likes of you? And he gives Wicker a right cross. Wicker's reeling backwards and knocks his head on what appears to be a ladder from a fire escape. And we're told the old man now lies lifeless as his own creations. And Lucius says, Wicker, Wicker, oh my God, the old coots had it. But at least this saves me the trouble of dealing with him. People are going to question me even if this does look like an accident, and I can't have that. And Abel tells us, It strains Lucius's huge body to drag the remains of Mr. Wicker and his exhibit back to the waxworks this night. But the strain is worth it, for the alternative is an accusation of murder. So we see Lucius dragging Mr. Wicker and pulling the wax figure of Jack the Ripper along behind him into the waxworks. And he says, I have it. It will be a most ironic way for Mr. Wicker to have his final rest. So apparently Lucius has come up with some plan to uh, get himself off the hook for this manslaughter. And we see on the next page in the first panel that he has dipped Mr. Wicker into a vat of boiling wax. And we see him dropping his arm in this pretty creepy panel. Uh, Not gory at all, but kind of creepy. And uh, potentially the Poe for our episode. And he says... I'll just dip the old fool into the wax. Once he's hardened, he'll become one of his own exhibits. Ha, ha, ha. So we see uh, Lucius saying, Perfect, perfect. No one could tell you're there, Mr. Wicker. I melted down one of the exhibits, and you've taken its place. (laughs) And uh, somehow, uh, in this short amount of time, Mr. Lucius has become an expert wax sculptor because he has turned uh, Mr. Wicker apparently into the executioner with the, uh, you know, the hood over his head and the axe over his head. Off panel, we hear this voice, or we see this voice say, excuse me. And the calm voice breaks the silence and its sudden intrusion into the evil thoughts of Abner Lucius frightens him more than the act of murder. And we see that Lucius is sweating and he says, who? And we see this gentleman approaching. uh, He says, excuse me, I didn't mean to startle you. Are you Mr. Wicker? And he says, no, no, Mr. Wicker has um, left, gone. I'm Abner Lucius. I run the place now. Hmm, Now that's strange. I'm Les Flynn of the Incredible People television show, which I guess is a knockoff of uh, That's Incredible, if you remember that show from the, I believe, late 70s, early 80s. Mr. Wicker's remarkable wax sculptures were to be a part of next month's show, and he invited us here to take. And Lucius thinks to himself, the old fool... He never told me that other people considered these monstrosities art. And so he says, well, uh, uh, yeah, come on in. I'm Abner Lucius, the new owner of Mr. Wicker's uh, art, and I'll be pleased uh, if you go right ahead. And he says, thank you, Mr. Lucius. Okay, man, let's get rolling. So we see the uh, crew for this television show setting up their equipment, and Lucius thinking to himself, I'll make a double profit now with this publicity, I'll sell the wax figures for thousands and still turn this dump into a money-making parking lot. So we see him standing there uh, being interviewed, 
and the wax figure of the executioner, which of course is Mr. Wicker, is right behind him. Abel tells us, was it Amos Wicker's spirit or the heat of the television quartz halogen lamps? Because we see the heat from the lamps is starting to melt the wax that is covering Mr. Wicker. And Lucius goes on to tell us, licking a thin wax shell until, and we see that the axe that the executioner, or rather Mr. Wicker, is holding, starts to fall right towards Lucius's head, and we hear the crew shout, Mr. Lucius, look out! Oh, good lord! And one of them appears to uh, gag and choke like he's getting ready to vomit, as we see the axe come down on... Well, we don't actually see it come down on Lucius's head, but it is certainly implied there, and that's the end of Mr. Lucius. So Abel closes out the story with this statement. Lucius thought it humorous to pose Mr. Wicker as the executioner of his own wax figures, but somehow Abner no longer seems to be the one in the mood for laughing. And that's how our story ends. You know, I gotta say, I really enjoyed this story. Uh... Certainly some plot holes and some editorial uh, errors, you know. The narrative telling us that Lucius is running into his apartment when he's still in this alleyway, which is maybe near his apartment. And uh, his ability to become a master wax sculptor, you know, in a moment's notice. Uh, however, uh, as predictable as the story was, it was uh, quite enjoyable. And uh, not a bad story for a code horror comic, and although, you know, at this point we're in 1981, the code is quite relaxed and, in fact, almost irrelevant at this point. The artwork? Outstanding. Uh, Gonzalez and Breeding, right up my alley. Uh, tight lines from the pencils. The inks aren't overused, but do add some definite mood to this uh, artwork. And uh, just some top-notch work by Gonzalez and Breeding. Now, as far as a panel for the episode, or Poe, uh, as much as I like the first page, you know, that full-page splash, uh, it's beautifully composed. Uh, the panel that really jumps out at me as far as uh, Four Color Fear is concerned would be the panel where Lucius drops Wicker into the vat of wax, and uh, that's a real creepy panel, and that's going to be our Poe for the episode. So I will post that on the blog when the episode is published. Okay, so that's going to do it for Wax Works, our featured story for Haunted House number 43. And by the way, there were no Sea Monkeys ads in this book. But, you know, 1981, by then you're probably able to purchase Sea Monkeys at a retail outlet. So that's going to do it for this episode, Secrets of Haunted House number 43 being our featured comic. Uh, but before we go, we're going to fire up the random comic generator to make our selection for the next episode. And here we go. Okay, let's see what we got. All right, we got a title from one of my favorite publishers, Charlton. Yes, we did cover Charlton back in our Steve Ditko tribute episode, but here we got a Charlton title from 1972, and that's Ghostly Tales number 91. And wow, you know, just glancing at this, what a beautiful cover, but we'll discuss that next time. Uh, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do that by dropping an email to fourcolorfear at gmail.com. 
You can also visit the blog. That's fourcolorfear.blogspot.com. We got a Facebook group. You can check that out. Just search for Four Color Fear on Facebook. The podcast is available at all the normal locations or directly from the blog. But if you're listening to this, you found it somewhere already. So I'll see you next time. Have a lucky day. Bye bye. Always have to be lucky charms. No sea monkeys were harmed during the recording of this podcast. Bye-bye.